All right, 215-592-9494. We're going to ask the callers to hang in for a couple of minutes. We will grab you pretty soon. But, Ray, it's time for this week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their center city location or shybesports.com. Ray, some weeks, you know, when I go through the calendar, it's it's a little challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like uh, 1972, this guy scored 40 points, and yeah, that's okay. You know, it's like, well, this week I didn't even have to think about it because um, certainly the greatest moment of my experience as a Philadelphia sports fan, uh, coupled only with the Phillies winning the 2008 World Series, occurred four years ago yesterday, Ray. Mm-hmm. Does it feel like four years or more or less to you? It's funny. In some ways, it feels like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, it feels like a long time ago. <laughs> Very well said. I agree. I really agree. There's parts of it that just stick with me. As, and I think like, oh, God, that was, that was way back then. And then there's other times like part of it is I don't have a lot of I, – I don't see any of our teams getting back to that big stage anytime really soon. So I, I'm, I want to cherish it. And part of cherishing it, I'm going to ask everybody to hang in. Uh, I heard this yesterday on the midday show, and I thought it was terrific. It's a three-minute Merrill montage where Merrill Reese and Mike Quick take you through Super Bowl 52. Ray, you ready for that? Absolutely, I'm ready for it. All right, Dan, let's hit it. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Super Bowl 52. We are here. We are He's back. He steps up. He is going deep, and it is caught by Alshon Jeffrey for a by Alshon Jeffrey. Alshon Jeffrey, I'm magnificent. He comes right back to Blunt. Blunt across the 20, the 15, the 10, the 5. The train is in the end zone. Unbelievable blocking. Great play call. We knew he was going to be aggressive. He told us that he was going to stay aggressive. He loves this. Boom. Moves to the right. It goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it. And the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. And Fultz. it's a touchdown by Nick This play call has a chance to be remembered as one of the all-time greats. And that was something we've been working on, and Doug and I were talking. I was like, let's just run it. And Matt Patricia, defensive coordinator for New England, he's over there scratching his beard. He is going deep, and is it a touchdown? It is. It is a touchdown! A 22-yard touchdown to Clement. This is crazy. I've been dreaming about this moment. Now I can see what it feels like. Looks, fires out in the flat, running with the football, and coming up close to another first down. Is Aguilar, and he picks it up. Aguilar tonight has stepped up bigger than ever. Back goes Foles, fires, slant, touchdown! Zach Ertz, he caught it, he bobbled it, he never let it drop, and he finished with the football. If they would have overturned that, I don't know what would have happened to the city of Philadelphia. So glad they didn't overturn it. Boy, if the Eagles could come up with their one turnover of the game right here, that would be ceiling. Brady back again, he steps up, he's hit, and falls forward, he and he fumbles the football, and the Eagles have it, it is recovered by Barnett. Brandon Graham rips the football out of the hands of Tom Brady. With 2.09 remaining to be played. And boy, oh boy. Brady grab, Ricky Brady grab. He said we needed to play. If we got one more opportunity, we're going to give everything we got. And I just so happened to get there. Here is a 46-yarder to give the Eagles an eight-point lead. And the kick is 
taken Jake Elliott's life right there. Nine seconds left. Eagles by eight. Brady, he steps up. He's hit. He stumbles. He is throwing it deep for the end zone, and it is batted around and incomplete. And the game is over. The game is over. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. Eagles fans everywhere, this is for you. If there's a word called everything, that's what it means to Eagles fans everywhere. Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. Nick Foles, the GOAT, a legend. That's his name in stone. It's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. That's been this team all year. And they're bringing back the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. Broad Street, get ready. We are having a parade. Oh, Ray. Ray, I gotta, t- I gotta go take a shower. <laughs> God, it was so great. Yeah, it never gets old, does it? Uh, it sure doesn't. And by the way, if you ever want to have fun, um, go on Google and type in Merrill Cam uh, for that Super Bowl, <laughs> because the Eagles did a really smart thing a couple of years ago, which is they started filming. There's just a stationary camera that films Merrill and Mike as they call the games. Mm-hmm. And you see Merrill as he's doing it because we hear Merrill, but you never see him. And you see his excitement during this thing and the people in the booth get excited. And actually, at the end, Merrill's son, who's a who's a filmmaker, right? Uh, Nolan, like runs in and hugs his dad after that last. But it's really cool. So if you ever want to just go to Merrill camp. Um, you know what else strikes me, Ray, about that whole thing? Um, that montage? None of those guys are still here. Yeah, Graham's here. Elliot's here. Kelsey's here. Right. I don't know if any of the other names that were said during the three minutes are still here, but whatever. It was great. I mean, uh, you know, holding together a, a sports team is like trying to walk around with it with water in your hand. It's just like it, it's it's going to fall away. But oh my god, it was great. It was great. Any get, just give me. Uh, actually, here's what I want to do. Um, hold on one second, Greg and Jerry. I, I will get you guys in a, in a minute or two. Uh, one of the things that I. Th- think everybody remembers is their day that day what they did before the Super Bowl how they watched the Super Bowl what they did after the Super Bowl I did oh I did a show on WIP and then I did the pregame show in front of a crowd of like a couple hundred people who were just all crazy with anticipation and then I drove home as fast as I could and watched the Super Bowl with my dad and my my brother-in-law and my nephew who was 14 I think at the time and like a lot of different generations of people and it was we just we were jumping up and down in my house right and I will just always remember the joy of that for you well you had a pretty special day so I I just want to start because a lot of people remember that you did a pregame show and they said like hey let's do something fun we'll get the guys from NBC Sports in Boston and then we'll like have them debate Ray and it, Ray, as I recall, it went south pretty fast. Yeah, it did. It was their idea. They, they, we did, they actually did two pregame shows. We did one that was our typical Eagles pregame live with, um, you know, with Michael, me, Barrett, and Seth. Uh, and then they said, well, we're going to also do a, a second hour, which is going to be um, Philly versus Boston. Uh, and it's going to be you guys and the Boston guys because we have an NBC. We have a comparable kind of an NBC Sports Boston thing. And we'll bring you. We'll bring the two shows together, and you guys can just fight it out. You know, just have a debate and all. And 
boy, did they get the wrong guy for yeah, that. Yeah, and I and I I, I told it was uh, I told the 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 news director. I said, no, f- count me out. I'm not. I, I don't want to do that because I know what it's going to. I know what it's going to devolve into. I know what it's going to be. It's going to turn into a shout fest, and people are going to be hollering at each other, and you know, saying stupid things. And you know, no, I I don't want to. I don't want to do that. And they basically said to me, no, you you are doing it. Right, we paid your way. Here. Yeah, you yeah, well, you you are doing it. And so they said, you're on for one segment. Just do the best you can. And so they put me on a segment with a, with a guy from, it was Michael and me, and then a guy from Boston, a talk show guy from Boston, and Albert Breer, who the, who's the uh, 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 NFL Network guy. Yeah. And it, it started out okay, and, you know, I kind of tried to do my usual X's and O's thing. And then, you know, then the Boston guy <laughs> jumped in. The Boston guy jumped in and started taking on ripping Philadelphia and ripping Philadelphia fans and how violent they are. And when I go to a sporting event in Philadelphia, I always think I'm going to get a metal chair in the back of my head. And. And I just, you know, I'd had enough. And I, I, you know, to me, it was just so irresponsible and so stupid that I, that I finally, I finally just, you know, answered him back and just told him he was wrong. And, um, and I felt, I felt kind of silly doing it because this, this was, this was exactly the kind of television that I wanted to avoid. And here I was doing it. Oh, you underplay what you did. Because here's why you didn't resort to silliness. You didn't get involved in a pillow fight. You basically took out a machete and speared him in the gut and left him behind to die in the street. That's what you did. <laughs> well, most and it be- was beautiful and it was brilliant. And I've heard it. I don't need to play it now, but I've heard it. And I've heard your retort to his nonsense, calling specific examples in the old Schaefer Stadium and so on. And you were you were magnificent. Yeah, but what I basically did was I said that that the New England fans to me were front runners. The Patriot fans were front runners. They had totally ignored the Patriots for years and years and years. They were so far behind the Red Sox, the Bruins, and the Celtics up there that nobody cared about them until they started to win. And then until they started – then when they started to win, then all of a sudden everybody got happy. And, you know, and to me that's, that's not really being a fan. That's just uh, – you're a fan of convenience. You know, you, they started to win, and, okay, here I am. You know, well, that's not the way it works. That's not the way it's supposed to work. It's certainly not the way it works in Philadelphia. So anyway, I, so I had my moment with him, and then – and then we all have to go to the same trailer and watch the game. They had one. <laughs> NBC had one trailer outside the stadium with one yeah. TV, yeah. and all the Philly guys and all the Boston guys uh, were all in the same trailer. What can can you imagine? Oh, can, fun times! Can you imagine? And especially and, that game because that game was so back and forth, and there's so many plays. As, as I recall, you told me like that when when uh, Philly special happened, they're like, "Nah, that's no good. They can't line up like that." Yeah. Yeah, well, for, right. well, the, 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 the leading up to that, you know, when, when they call the timeout with, with just time for, for the one play and they got the ball the one-yard line on the fourth down, um, this one Boston guy who, God, he was so obnoxious. He was so cocky. And, you know, they, they said, what are they calling, time, what are they calling timeout for? They're going to kick the field goal. And I said, uh, no, I don't think they're kicking a field goal. Have you seen the Eagles this year? This, trust me, they're not kicking a field goal here. No, they got to kick a field goal. Was this coach a moron? You know, you got to take the three points. So then – Foles comes back on the field and he says, "Oh my God, they are going to run this by. How stupid can this? How stupid is this guy going to be?" And then, of course, they run Philly special, and it's a touchdown. And uh, and the guy says to me, nah, and the first thing he says is, when it happens, he says, "Nah, nah, 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 nah that can't be legal. That, that's there's got to be there's got to be something wrong with that. That the way they lined up that formation, now nah, that's got to be that's got to be illegal." And then when he sees it, when he sees it, it's not, and they're lining up to kick the extra point. He says, you know, what do they call that play anyway? And I said, well, in Philadelphia, we call it a touchdown. Oh, Ray, that's so brilliant. 
Oh, God, you're great. <laughs> you're great. By the way, um, that play, the, the referee of the game, Gene Steratore, is part of our best of Tell Us Your Story. Yes, he is. That we're playing at noon, and, and there is some description of that play. All right, so magnificent by you. And then I want to get to the post game because you did a post game. Mm-hmm. And understand, everybody in Philadelphia who watched that Eagles game and just was completely joyous afterward, it was, it was for so many people, the highlight of whether they're – Again, my nephew was 14, or whether you're 30 or 50 or 90, that was a highlight of your life as a fan. And I imagine the ratings for your postgame live that night were probably the highest they were ever. And you guys do the show, and it's fine. And then a special moment occurs. Yeah, yeah. Well, my son, the cameraman, who was David, who was there shooting the game. And, in fact, he's the guy that shot the the Philly special. He's the guy that... He was shooting the Nick Foles wire that day. Mm-hmm. And so he's the guy that actually filmed that exchange on the sidelines that allowed us to understand exactly how Philly special went down. My son got that shot, which I'm so proud of him for doing it. Um, but he had said to me before the game, he said, if, if the Eagles win this game, I'm going to find you wherever you're doing the postgame show. And I'm going to, you know, you and I are going to celebrate together. I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to give you a big hug. And I said, you know, no, don't bother. At the end of, the, I don't, I don't know where, I don't know where we're going to be. I don't know where we're going to be set up. And nobody can find anybody after a Super Bowl. It's like New Year's Eve in Times Square. I said, so don't, don't even bother. You got your own thing to do. Just we'll, we'll celebrate back at the hotel. Well, you know, we're about half an hour into the postgame show on live TV, and as you said, to a, you know, just an astronomical TV audience back in Philadelphia. I mean, everybody has it on. Uh, and lo and behold, the, the door opens to the mezzanine booth that we're in, and who comes walking in but my son, who just comes walking right on, <laughs> comes walking right onto the set, and then, uh, okay, we have our hug right there on live television, and uh, you know, and I, I, you know, I've been holding in my emotions all that time, but uh, at that at that moment, it brought back so many memories, and it was uh, it was just a great feeling, and I just kind of I, I just kind of let it out, and I began, uh, you know, I broke down and started crying on the set, and it was. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I was kind of embarrassed at the time because, I, you know, it's, it's live TV, my God, and millions of people are probably watching, and, and here I am, you know, wiping away tears. But as it turned out, uh, when I came home, people loved it, you know, you and, and, they loved it for, and they loved it for the reason that you said. They loved yeah. it for the reason that you said, which was everybody was doing exactly what we were doing at that, at that very same moment. So it was, you know, it, it was like what was happening there in that booth was happening in every living room across the Delaware Valley. So people fully understood it, and they loved it, and I still hear about it to this day. It was a, it was a great moment for everybody. Again, you were everybody, and, I mean, not to say I told you so, but I remember as we were talking about this coming up, and I was saying, like, you know, you're going to really – it's going to be a big deal. And you're like, well, yeah, but I'm not a fan anymore. I, you know, I – and I knew, I knew, I knew. But it was great, and because it was for you, it was a connection with your dad too. Sure, yeah. Because I, 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 it took me back, and I thought about it all day. Was, you know, the last time the Eagles had won the world championship was 1960, and we were all at Franklin Field, and I was in the stands with my mother and my father and my grandparents, and we watched that together. And I kept thinking about that, and when they did win, and then there I was with my son at the game. Um, it took me back and it made me think about my parents and my grandparents and that whole moment at Franklin Field. And it was just really overwhelming and just and wonderful at the same time. It really was great. Yeah, uh, it, it was great. And it was a great day for everybody. And it's nice that this week we get to review it for our Scheib Sports moment. Greg in the Northeast has been hanging. What's up, Greg? 
Hey, Glenn. Hey, Ray. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's my first time calling into the show. Well, but welcome I, but aboard. Been, nice to talk to you. Uh, I've been listening forever. I love you guys are my favorite Saturday morning go-to sports because, in my opinion, you are like two legends together. So that's pretty dope, in my opinion. Right? Thank you so much. Thanks, Greg. Okay. So now, hold on, though, Ray, because I got a little beef. Because, in my opinion, Wayne Gretzky is by far the greatest sports player athlete in the world over Tom Brady. Well, I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to argue. I'm certainly not going to argue against that. Make uh, the case. Hold I mean, on. Make, make the case. You, you said it, but back it up 60, first. 61 records when he retired. He still owns 60. He, in 20 years, he had 120 points in 15 seasons over 120 points, 15 seasons. I mean, his nickname, the great one he got when he was 10. Huh? So, eight yeah. consecutive heart trophies. Uh, come on, I, the guy in I, ten scoring titles. I can get four two hundred point seasons. There's so much to go yeah. on. Uh, no, listen, and and you're right about all those things. And and Ray, he stretched records beyond. Right. You know, he, I mean, he would lead lead the league in scoring almost double what the next guy had at a time when guys were scoring. Yeah. Right. He was minus ninety eight at one had a season minus ninety eight. On the ice. That's unbelievable. Wait, what do you mean he was minus 98? They allowed 98 goals in the ice. That's, that's, that's not a good thing. It's a bad stat, actually. If he was yeah, it's a terrible stat. Be great. Yeah, it's a, yeah, I, I would drop that from your case. So, no, Ray, well, no, I just it, it, it is – it is yeah, okay, and I appreciate it. And Ray, I it see is, some of the Sixers, too? Uh, yeah, hold on one second. It is okay. tough to compare – Athletes of other sports, other eras, but they're not exactly, you know, 100 years apart. Uh, in doing so, um, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I think i probably go Brady 1, Gretzky 2, Jordan 3. If I'm, but, I'm just taking the four major sports in my lifetime, mm-hmm. I think that would probably be my ranking. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't want to get into Babe Ruth, and I don't want to get into Pele or Muhammad Ali. But if you just take the four team sports that we're familiar with, and you take the greatest of all time, I would probably go um, Brady, Gretzky, Jordan. I don't. Jim Brown. I don't know. I mean, who in ba- who's the best baseball player of the last fifty years? Bonds. Bonds, huh. probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not probably. Can't, I mean, can't he would even be. get in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, I mean problem. it's uh, it's 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 very hard to compare. I mean it's hard to compare eras within the same sport, much less try to compare eras in different sports because they they are so different. But you know, I I, I listen, I, I you know, Greg Greg has a perfectly valid point. I mean, there's no question Gretzky, everybody said Gordy Howe was the greatest player and then Gretzky completely eclipsed him in a different era. Uh and you look at 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 the records that he set uh, and the and the numbers that he put up and the time that he put up, I mean, it was it was just it was just staggering how 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 he just dwarfed the other athletes in his sport. And you know, if I don't see, I don't know why it has to be a debate. I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine just saying Wayne Gretzky was great and Tom Brady was great. They're both great. And if you're great, you're great. You know, I don't know I don't know why we all of a eh, sudden. That's have, what sports fans. I mean, we rate everything, right? Yeah, but it kind of gets silly after a while. I mean, I rate hamburgers, right? You know, it's like just whatever what you do. But you, it, it is there. There's a, I, here's what I will agree with you. There's no wrong answer between those two. Right, right, right. You know, if 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 I said uh, I'm I'm going to put uh, uh, 
Drew Brees uh, at the top of the list. Well, Drew Brees is a great player and a Hall of Famer, but he is not the greatest athlete of our time. I can't make a valid argument for that, but I could for either of those two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Ray. Uh, Jerry Christian, hang in. Anybody else wants to join us? We'll get you. 215-592-9494. And, uh, Ray, coming up, television recommendation. Pretty good show I saw. I'm going to tease you with this. Mm-hmm. You ever, Ray, see a show or a movie that when you like, when you watched it, you really, really liked it, and then like you thought about it afterwards, and you thought, well, wait a second. <laughs> a little bit of a plot hole there. You ever have one of those? Oh, I have those all the time. Where right. You, you, so, you leave the movie theater, you're in your, and you think, oh, that was good, and then you get halfway home and you say, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I've had that moment all the time. So I have one of those with a TV show. So when I recommend it, I'm going to recommend it with reservation and tell you that I really enjoyed it. And then the next day I'm thinking, what about that guy? All right, we'll talk about that coming up. 215-592-9494. Don't forget, at noon, you really want to stick around for this. Tell us your story. Best of the first of uh, three that we are Put together uh, over the next couple of weeks, Ray and I have now done exactly 100 Tell Us Your Stories. Wow. You remember who the first one was? Was the first one Merle? Scott Fransky. Scott Fransky. I knew it was, I knew it was a broadcaster. Yeah, we did a lot of – at the beginning, we did Scott Fransky. We did Mark Zumoff. By the way, Zoo's going to join us as a guest next week. We did Merrill. Uh, and we've done well. We've done 100. I don't need to list them all. I think, one of the, I think maybe the first athlete we done might, might, did might have been Bernie, right? Uh, actually, I can I can look it up because I have it. So I know he was real. I know we did Bernie very early, but I know we went through all we went through the like the local broadcasters pretty early in it too. Right, here's the list. Here you go: Scott Fransky, Merrill Reese, Mark Zumoff, Charlie Manuel, Doc Emmerich, Mike Quick was the first athlete we did, but again, he's a broadcaster as well. So right, yeah, yeah. Wow, we, we've done a lot. I could just read the names for the next hour, and we'll just talk about these guys. And they were all good. They all had a story were, to tell, made, and they yeah. were all fun. Yeah, it was really a good time. All right, well, uh, we're going to give you a, a TV show to watch coming up. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP. Excuse me while I find my ad copy. Here it is. It's cold winter. If the weather hasn't yet convinced you to replace your drafty and efficient windows and doors, maybe the great people at Guide a Door and Window can by extending their biggest discounts of the year through the end of February. Now, if you haven't taken advantage of Guide's big winter sale, here's another chance to do so. You receive 40% off every window and door you buy. That's 40% off each expertly installed energy-efficient replacement window, which also includes free high-performance low-E glass, and 40% off any high-quality door, including insulated entry doors, sliding patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. And you can buy now and pay later with Guida's interest-free financing or low monthly payment plans. Act now. Offer is until the end of February, so don't let this final chance for big savings pass you by. If your home needs new windows or doors, call the experts at Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate. By the way, I just want to congratulate the family that owns Guida, the LaMonicos. They just had two little twin babies. Congratulations to Ron Sr. You're a grandfather. Nice for you. Uh, get your free estimate at one eight seven seven go guide or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. All right, Ray. Well, I, one of these days we've got to refresh that. Those shows have all been off the air for a while. Uh, what we're watching, sponsored by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big winter sale through the month of February. Receive 40% off all windows and doors. Call one eight seven seven go guide or visit go, G-U-I-D-A.com. 
Before I get to the show, Ray, did you hear the news? Tony Romo is uh, going to be producing a drama series at Showtime focusing on the business world of professional football. Oh, yeah? I hadn't heard that. Oh, it's going to have so much damn dialogue. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be like West Wing with three times the talking. Oh, God. You going to bring Aaron Sorkin in to to work with him? Please. Aaron, Aaron... Aaron Sorkin is Silent Sam compared to Tony Romo. Uh, by the way, is, by the way, just uh, off, just as an aside here, yeah. Tony Romo did not have his finest hour in that uh, last last game he broadcast. No, the end the end of the game when he's saying, "No, they should let him score here." Yeah, what, are, are you are you out of your mind? What are you talking about? Yeah, let's get down by four points. Yeah. yeah, the math did not make any sense. Yeah, we're ahead now, but you know what? Let's let them score. So and then we'll try to come back. Are you Listen, nuts? He was bad in that game. He was terrible in that in that uh, Cowboys game where he was openly rooting for the Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Right. No, he's had a bad year. He he's a guy who started out really well, and I think he's he's gotten really bad. Uh, and I mean, I know I'm inclined not to like him, but. Speaking honestly, he stinks. Yeah, but the uh, but the end but the end of that when when he said that about well I think you know, maybe she'll let him score here. Yeah. I mean Jim Nance well, Jim Nance didn't know what to say. I know. I mean he was like he was like it was a stunned silence. Uh, like yeah, are I you know. nuts? Uh, so this show that uh, Romo's going to do for Showtime is a blend of Friday Night Lights and Succession, two shows I really like. Um, the executive producer is the guy who just did the show Yellow Yellow Jackets. Excuse me. Not Yellowstone, which I like too, but Yellow Jackets, which I reviewed a couple of weeks ago, which is really good. Real buzz on that show. Um, and it is in the early stages of development. Viacom CBS owned uh, Showtime. It follows a fictitious first family of football and the play- Jerry Jones and the players, coaches, and power brokers behind the high stakes world of America's biggest professional sports. Well, if Romo is producing it, and Romo is, you know by extension, an employee of professional football, I can't imagine it's going to get into the nitty-gritty, right? Wouldn't think so, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to make it, you know, this, this not going to blow the top off football. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Okay, so this is what I said to you before, um, and you said yes. You've watched a movie or a TV show, and you think, like, oh, I really like that, and then an hour later, a day or two later, you think, well, that part didn't really hold up. Right. I mean, Maybe this plot angle doesn't really make sense. And that was this show. <clears throat> you know I love British cop shows. Uh, and I've switched my pattern, Ray. I watched a Danish cop show okay. called The Chestnut Man. Uh, and The Chestnut Man is a, a, a bleak, uh, noir, sometimes gruesome, very well done, cops chasing serial killer, six-part drama on Netflix. Uh, it's from a popular novel called The Chestnut Man, which I got very, I didn't read it, but, you know, sold a lot, a lot of popular reviews. Uh, it's about a murderer who leaves behind little chestnut figurines at the site as his calling card. That's how it gets the name. And the cops can't figure out who he is, although they, they learn his motivation, but they don't know who he is. And it's it's really, to, Netflix is no stranger to this kind of crime novel to TV pipeline. I mean, they've done... As I mentioned last week, they got the they got a whole programming wing devoted to Harlan Coben stories. So this is it. And the Chestnut Man certainly holds your attention. Lots of twists, a couple false leads, very tense, moves fast, good characters, 
I said gruesome, right? Did I say gruesome? Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, well, my wife, my wife basically watched the entire series looking through a blanket. Like when a, uh, I don't want to give a lot, but this happens early enough. A victim or two gets a hand chopped off. So as a cop drama, and I watch a lot of them, it, it holds up. It grabs your interest. Uh, two challenges for me. One, maybe it's Denmark. Um, the series is dubbed, and I can deal with dubbed. They, they dub so much better than they used to. The acting on a lot of shows that they're dubbing is good. But all of the male characters looked and sounded exactly the same, or like they could at least be brothers. Every character in it was like a thin guy with light brown hair and three days' growth of beard. And they all had the, these quick, hard names, Haig and Hess and Gents and... Ray, it took me three episodes to figure out the good guys from the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And I would have to put it on pause and say to my wife, like, wait, was that the guy who was staring down at the lady at the gym or was that the per- police forensics guy? Again, maybe it's just me, but I just kept the characters all looked and sounded the same. Uh, and all that said, I enjoyed it right through the end. Uh, Chestnut Man, entertaining, visually well done, tense. And then after I watched The Chestnut Man, Ray, I thought, wait, what about that loose end? Whatever happened to that guy who seemed pretty crucial to the whole plot? Like, he just disappeared in episode four. Like, what was his story? So lots of questions. So here's here's my bottom line. Mixed review. It's a B-plus as you're watching it. A day or two later, it's a C-plus. It's Ray. It's kind of like, like if you ate too big of a bowl of chili, mm-hmm. like you'd really enjoy it at the time, right? And then the next day you'd have some second thoughts. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Well, <laughs> this this show, it's the best I could come up with on the spur of the moment, right? This show, Chestnut Man, is like a a big heaping bowl of chili. Hmm. Well, I kind of like chili. Actually. I like chili too. But there you go. And, I, and I rec- I'm recommending the show, but I'm recommending it with a little bit of reservation in that if if you're a stickler for, like, things have to hold together. Right. It doesn't necessarily do so. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, yeah, you but, wait- no, but, I, but again, I I'm, I'm watch it. Chestnut Man on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, Six I mean, what, Danish. What you were saying about uh, the characters, it took you a while to sort out the characters because they all looked alike and sounded alike. And it's they a- all had the same name. Like yeah, Gents and Hess and Hagen. You know, it's yes. I had the same. I had the same problem for about the first three or four episodes of Mayor of Easttown. I thought. I thought. I thought all. The, I thought all the. I thought all. I thought all of the mayor. I thought all of the male characters. They all were just as you described them. They were all kind of about the same age, looked the same, dressed the same, had the same kind of beard. Um, and it took, it took, I was really, I was three or four episodes in before I kind of like, okay, now I've kind of sorted it out. But for a while. Is that a cop or is that a killer? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, they were, that was, it was, to me, it was very confusing. The one male character who didn't look like anybody was Guy Pierce who came in and was for, for a brief moment, mayor's sort of love interest. Yeah. He didn't, he, he looked like a total alien in Delaware County. Yeah, well, uh, he would. And probably would in real life. But I mean, as far as the other characters, the ones that were going to stay with you for the whole show, um, I that was a problem for me early in that series, and I, I finally sorted it out. But early on, it was a little bit puzzling to me. Yeah, well, there you go. So watch the Chestnut Man, but understand the next day later, you'll feel like you ate too big of a bowl of chili. Okay, I'm forewarned. Okay, Jerry and Hatboro, you're on ninety four WIP. 
Jerry. Uh, we had him all that time, and then we lost him. Jerry, call back. We'll get you. Uh, we very fortunately have a backup Jerry. Oh, good. In Phoenixville. Are you there, Jerry? Gentlemen. There you go. There you go. How you doing? Good. We're fine. Called... I've since moved. Hey, Jerry, you're kind of, I, I don't know if you're on a headset or not, but you sound a little far away if you can improve that. Uh, there we go. Got you off okay. speaker. Sorry about yeah, that. Good. Actually, calling from New Mexico. Moved since I last called many years ago. The, um, all right, so here, here's my uh, sports uh, conundrum. I think the Eagles roster stinks in comparison to the rest of the playoff teams, and I just want to hear you guys comment on uh, how wise it would be to trade one of those first-round picks for a couple of twos and a three, because that's the only way I see these guys getting better enough uh, quick to compete next year. So, All right, Ray? Well, you know, Jerry, I, I, um, I don't know that you have to do that. I mean, you've got three first round picks. You can get, you know, where they're where they're drafting, fifteen, sixteen, nineteen. You know, they've got they've got three first round picks right there. So, I mean, they can they can get come away with three really good players right there. I don't I don't know that you need to do a trade out or a trade down to add picks. You got picks. You got plenty of picks. I just, I just think their defense comparatively speaking, stinks. It doesn't ring of like that that Eagles defense of years gone by. You listen really... to what Ray just said. You got three first-round picks that you can address the defense. Edge rusher, linebacker, safety. Boom. I don't want three. I want five. Well, the five you get in the second and third round won't be as good as you get in the first round. I mean, they may. I would say this. Less than 50-50 chance that the Eagles end up drafting in those three spots. Ray, agree or disagree? No, I agree. I, uh, I, I, I don't necessarily like the idea, uh, but I, knowing Howie uh, and knowing the way he likes to wheel and deal uh, with all the picks that he's got, I don't see him just sitting there and picking and, and letting the letting the draft come to him. I think he's going to. I think he's going to wheel and deal. But I, mm-hmm. you know, you could believe me. I, I was. I was doing. I'm starting to do some of the draft stuff now. Oh, good, good. And there are there are so many. There are so many good players, but so many good defensive players in this draft that it really, if you if you just stay put, 15, 16, 19, you can come away with three really good players. I love that. And and I am not a draft, Nick, but here's what I have heard, which is this draft is not particularly talented at the very top. It is not particularly talented in quarterbacks. As I mean, I think that's kind of common knowledge. But that, as you just said, there's a lot of good defensive players to take you through the first round. And if all of that is true, well, that's exactly what we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't, I don't care if the number three pick is good. And I don't care if they're good quarterbacks. But if there's enough valuable defenders and we can get three of them, boom. Yeah, I'll just give you two numbers right now. I mean, I just, I've been looking over all the, all the Senior Bowl stuff and looking back a little bit on East-West Shrine game, which played, was played this past week, just to try and get a sense of where the draft falls. And I'm trying to slot some players and get an idea of how this draft's shaking out. And right now, uh, my top 25 players, uh, I've got seven defensive linemen and five linebackers. Wow. I mean, that's, that is how many good, like it. really I... good defensive players are there. And believe me, if you, just, if you just stay where you are in this draft, you'll come away with three really good players. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk to our doctor from Cooper Bone & Joint. Work a few callers in and go to Best of Tell Us Your Story. Rain Glenn on 94 WIP. Scheib Vintage Sports Annual Super Sale is here. 
Now through Sunday, February 13th, they're taking 30% off on all Throwback Eagles gear, online and in-store. So this includes both licensed apparel and originals from Philadelphia artists. So shop now at shibesports.com or at their store at 13th and Walnut in Center City. Sizes and quantities are limited, so act fast and come to visit Shibe Vintage Sports. That's where there's a story in every stitch. Right in, you're Glenn Mack now, 94 WIP. This is when we check in with our doctors from Cooper, Wone and Joint. Dr. Mark Pollard joins us today. How are you getting through this cold weather, Doc? Uh, just trying to stay warm. There you go. Ray, I turn it to you. Doctor, um, I guess you know, everybody's aware of the surgery that uh, uh, Jalen Hurts underwent this week. It's no great surprise. He finished out the year obviously playing on a bad ankle, and we saw him when he came out of the locker room for the final game in Tampa Bay. He came out in a walking boot, so he was asked at the press conference, do you think you're going to need surgery? He said, I hope not, but I think we all kind of knew that it might happen, and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come up this week. He's going to have surgery on his left ankle on Wednesday. Uh, they're saying it's high ankle sprain. Um, we've dealt with those before, but when you're talking about your quarterback, you're talking about a guy who next year is you know, going to have a lot of responsibility on him. If he undergoes high ankle sprain surgery this Wednesday, um, what is the recovery time? And will he, will he's, they're saying that they have full confidence that he'll be ready to go for spring camp. Is that realistic? Um, I think so. You know, it, it depends precisely what the procedure is. You know, there's uh, sometimes, you know, for high ankle sprain, it creates some scar tissue, which can kind of uh, limit the the motion of the ankle and, you know, cause discomfort. And for that, you know, a, a quick arthroscopic procedure to clean out the scar tissue typically doesn't result in a whole lot of downtime. Uh, you know, if it's a ligament surgery, you know, the high ankle sprain, obviously, uh, injures some ligaments. And so if there's uh, some procedure like that, recovery can be a little longer. Um, I think uh, Lane Johnson had a, uh, a ligament-type surgery for a high ankle sprain a couple years ago, and I think he took a while to recover. But I, if memory serves me correctly, I think uh, Tua down in Alabama ended up having both ankles operated on at different times. Right. And he was back pretty rapidly, I, th- I thought, in season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, there's uh, he had Hurst Hurts when he was at Alabama. Interestingly, you mentioned Tua. Uh, when Hurts was at Alabama, he had high ankle sprain on his other leg, on his right leg, uh, and underwent a similar surgical procedure and came back and obviously played fine at Alabama and then at Oklahoma. So, is but is there some sort of a predisposition now that he's had this condition twice now, once on each leg, or is it just a matter of he, it, that's what happens when you play football? Uh. Yes to both. You know, uh, just I mean, playing the way he plays kind of predisposes to you know putting yourself in that kind of position where you can get it. Uh, but you know, obviously, the majority of uh, players playing football don't get these kind of injuries. So there probably is something in the way that he's put together that predisposes to this. Mm-hmm. But you know, it, it's happened to both his ankles. But it's difficult to put your finger exactly on what that may be, and it may just be dumb luck. Sure. Uh, Doc, always a pleasure. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, my friend. All right, thanks. You too. Uh, thanks, thank doctor. Thank you very much. Uh, I know we're having this uh, quarterback debate on 94 WIP over the course of the next month, Tuesday, Thursdays. Angelo is going to go through the whole crew, I hope. Certainly I would like the opportunity to weigh in. Uh, as the host of the Eagles pregame show. Have they contacted you about this yet? No. If drafted, will you serve? Uh. Probably not. What uh, what 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 do they have in mind here? 
it, it's Ray. It's you. You don't have to hit the other guy with a dead mackerel. It's it's basically Angelo is doing a segment with uh, other hosts on the station where basically you just lay out your case for whom you think should be the Eagles, for what you think should be the Eagles' quarterback plan in twenty twenty two. Whether you think they should stick with the kid or should they trade for Russell Wilson or should they draft somebody or what should be the direction they go. And then uh, Angelo is is quite enjoying his opportunity to wear the robes and carry the gavel. And at the end of the process, again, I'm not sure how long it's going, how many people are being interviewed. I certainly am looking forward to the opportunity. He is going to decree, based on all of these arguments, whom he thinks should be the guy. I see. So this is this is sort of uh, what used to be the Great Eagles debate, but without the debate. As I said, you don't have to hit anybody with a dead fish. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, they haven't asked well, me you're yet. You're on there every week anyway, so he'll he'll get you. Uh, yeah, I guess. I I mean, I, yeah, they haven't asked me yet, so I think I think the uh, I think that I I may be out on this one, and that's fine with me. <laughs> Please try. You know, your enthusiasm is infectious. Well, I mean, how many times do I have to cover the same ground? I think we've <laughs> kind of. So I've I think I've kind of told people how my feeling is on this thing. Well, there you go, and. And I believe it's pretty much the same as mine, which is let's stick with the kid for one more year. He played pretty well. Right. I mean, the last game aside, it's you know what's so funny is that last game. Everybody's like, yeah, I'm good with I'm good with Hertz, and then the last game is like, oh no, you can't go back with that. Right. Exactly. Um, but I I want to see him play another year. He plays cheap. I thought he had an upside. Let's see how it plays out. Uh, and and the other thing, and we got to cut in a minute, so I'll just I'll try to make this really quick is that I see a lot of people uh, making the argument of, hey, you know, when you watch these quarterbacks, who are the, you watch Mahomes and you, you know, you watch Burrow and you watch Allen, you, you need that to win. So they got to move on. And to which my answer is, okay, if the Eagles could get Mahomes or Burrow or, or, or uh, Allen in the draft, I'd be all for it. But if that guy's not there, I don't want to take a reach on a Malik Willis just because my quarterback is not – project to be an elite quarterback right that's right. my opinion no i think you're I, I think so you're right. whether angelo asks me or not i've laid it out no that's i mean that's i think that's a very sensible approach that's, that's you pretty much stated where i'm coming from on this if there was you know if trevor lawrence were coming out in this draft if joe burrow were coming out in this draft you know we'd it'd be a whole different conversation but the fact is he's not so right. you know I'm, I'm willing to give the kid another year i thought he made i thought he made real strides this year and is he joe burrow no you know, is he Mahomes? No. That doesn't mean that you can't can't win with him. I mean, because you demonstrated you could win with him this year. So, right. yeah, I mean, you got so many other areas to fill. Attack those in this draft and, you know, give him another year to grow into the role. That That's uh, that's sort of my position. Well, if we don't get called for that uh, special thing, at least we've established our position. There you go. All right, coming up, uh, best of tell us your story. Again, I'll t- take a couple seconds to just explain to people what they're about to hear. Yeah, it's uh, it's the first of the three episodes, and this one is called Greatest Moments, and it's uh, a whole bunch of different people here. It's George Foreman, it's Jim Lynham, it's Dawn Staley, it's Jay Wright, Al Michaels, Mike Ruzioni, Bobby Clark, a couple other guys, talking about their greatest moment and moments that they remember. And, uh, you know, a couple of them apply directly to what we've already been talking about this uh, today, which was Super Bowl 52. We have Gene Steratore talks about the Philly special and how it looked from the referee's point of view. And we also have Chris Long talking about what it was like to ride to the, down uh, Eakins Oval and uh, and celebrate that Super Bowl and share it with the city of Philadelphia. So that's 
my greatest moment coming up uh, on uh, Tell Us Your Best of Tell Us Your Story. Enjoy. Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP.